You are now listening to The Jason D'Amico Show. Greetings, folks. Welcome back to The Jason D'Amico Show. Thanks so much for tuning in via YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Simplecast, all the great distributors out there uh, and streaming platforms. And uh, really looking forward to this episode today. Our guest is a personal friend of mine, but is also a Berkeley College music graduate, owner of Blue Moose Studios. He's been crafting a unique combination of soul-inspired powerhouse vocals for nearly two decades. Influenced as a child by iconic female vocalist Etta James and Janis Joplin, her music emits a dynamic combination of blues and shredding rock guitar with hints of jazz and classic outlaw country. She's toured the States playing countless festivals as well as spending four years performing over 200 shows a year with Dark Water Rising and as multiple soul artist records released to date and counting. Hailing from Durham, North Carolina, please welcome to the show, Emily Mussolino. It's a me, Emily Mussolino. Yep, like Mussolino. Yes, my Italian brother. I know you know. <laughs> I, I'm so glad to have you on the show. I know we tried to get you on um, whenever the hell it was, sometime last year, and schedules got a little crazy. Um, oh, yeah. I remember to follow nuts. up, and now we have you, and it's great. Yeah, my, our schedules are both nuts. Of course, yeah, and, and especially with the last year, it's been quite interesting. Um, but I, I'm so glad to hear that you've got dates coming up, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, a lot of ground to cover. I mean, when I was doing show prep for you, I've I've listened to your music. You know, I've seen you live a couple of times, but this was really cool to just spend about an hour, hour and a half here, really diving into your original work um, and. I mean, honestly, I didn't even have enough time to cover everything. I mean, you've got quite a scope, you know, that that part in your bio where it's talking about rock, jazz, I mean, cla classic country sounding, you know, all these different genres. It's it it's true. Uh, I mean, the piano ballads, the, the, the blistering guitar playing. I love it. It's great. I'm really, really excited to have you on. And I'd love to just start with your beginning stages as far as how did music start for you well music for me was always like an outlet like i was and really continued to be a pretty introverted person and like you know i have friends and everything but uh when i come home my time is very like i need to have my little bubble to recharge my energy gotcha and also i was a very sensitive kid mm -hmm. and um, it took a long time to kind of control my Italian temper. <laughs> so I would just like, you know, I would be at home and I'd be in the basement and um, just playing guitar. And, and that would be the way that I would be able to feel better about things. Right. And I, was, I had like a little um, two cassette tape deck where you could like record on one and then put it in the other deck and overdub. And I would just do that over back and forth. So the tape just like wore out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's get into influences. It was Janet Jos uh, Janet Joplin, excuse me, Janis Joplin. I don't know, thinking of Joan Jett or something. Uh, Etta James, Janis Joplin. Um, 
obviously some others as well you know we can we can talk i I love the bowie cover on youtube for those that are watching and listening definitely check that out the srv cover bowie cover sabbath cover um i mean you you're you're all over the place like i am and i love it it's great yeah it's interesting that some of the piano songs have gotten like a lot of traction because i'm really not a piano player like that is my like you know, I, I would say it goes like vocals, guitar, bass, and then like keys and drums, like way down here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm really doesn't, a novice. Doesn't sound yeah. like it. I mean, the touch is great. Um, all the things that I would want to hear from, you know, somebody accompanying themselves is great. I, I mean, I, you know. Awesome. Well, I think what it is is like when you strip a song down to like the most barest elements because I can't do like super crazy stuff on the piano. So it just really forces me to like focus on the song being like the strongest yeah. by itself, you know. Well, how did you let's talk um, while we're talking about the instruments and vocals, I'd love to talk about vocal um, for a second with you and stunning vocal. I, I mean, you know, time when I was listening today, just delivery after delivery and would love to kind of hear your take on how you got started singing. Was it before guitar? Was it at the same time? How did that, how did that work? It was slightly before guitar, but they always kind of went hand in hand. Okay. You know, like I think I started kind of singing around like 10 or 11 and then picked up the guitar around like 11 or 12. But like ever since I picked up the guitar, it was always together. Right. Right. And, and how did you come up with your style? Was it more of trying to emulate other artists or was it, you know, I'm going to take a little bit from here, take a little bit from there and just kind of blend it to, to find your voice. You know, know, it was never like a conscious decision of like, I want to sound like this. Although, well, no, let me walk that back. Cause there was a time, um, in, I think it was early college when I really wanted to sing like, Janis Joplin or Beth Hart. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah, I know Beth. Um, But both of those women are just destroying their vocal cords, right? Like, there's no way that you can really sing like that sustainably. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I was, I was like talking to my vocal coach, like, how can I do this? You know. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, I think what she said was like, you kind of have to let let go because at the time I would be like in my chest voice up until a certain note and then i wouldn't sing with my chest like above that note it would just go straight into head voice gotcha so, like finding that middle ground or like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like belt and just i don't know just just proper vocal hygiene <laughs> like it's uh, you can't underestimate the importance of getting some good sleep yes drinking water not being on like alcohol or drugs <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, you know, people you know, do what you got to do. I, I'm I'm not, by no means like some kind of like tea total. Well, I don't drink anymore. But like if you're in my band, do whatever you want, as long as you bring professionalism to the right, stage. As long as it's, you know, professional on stage. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, Berkeley, we'll, we'll segue into that. Um, how did that come about? Was that was that really a dream of yours, or was it more of you know? Hey, yeah, I mean, I um, my family was like, it was it wasn't like, are you gonna go to school? It was like, where are you gonna go? Where to are school? you gonna go to school? Yeah. And I was going through a lot of kind of traumatic stuff at home. My parents split up. I really didn't want to stay in North Carolina. Um, 
I wanted to go to the best music school that there was in the jazz realm, and that right. was Berkeley. So that was my top choice, and I auditioned for that, and I got in and didn't look back. What well, What was that audition process like? Was it Was it nerve wracking? Were you? I mean, yeah, it was nerve wracking, <laughs> but it, you know, I uh, I went there with my mom, and first of all, I didn't know how to deal with it being winter time in the north. Oh yeah. They didn't tell me like you need to get like a a dead serious down jacket. Yeah, yeah. Layer like it's serious up there. It's a, it's, a, it's a bitch. I was I was freezing my ass off, but anyway. So we get up there and um, I did one of my original songs for my primary audition song, and then they um, put like some sheet music in front of me to see how I could sight read, which I tanked miserably. <laughs> And um, then I think there was a written exercise as well, which I also probably did pretty terrible at. Um, that's all I can really remember. Maybe some solfege, some like, you know, mm-hmm. random some, some, audi- like some, some audible, yeah. But I, I think they were pretty impressed that I already had like, you know, an original roster of songs at 17. Right, right. What, um, what was it like getting that, that letter, you know? Oh, it was great. I was like, well, thank God, because I didn't apply like anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the, so you were there for four years undergraduate. I was. What uh, what what was the major? Was it more performance or kind of production? Um, it was uh, contemporary writing and production. So it's like a split between the, um, you know, being behind the board and doing like arrangements like uh writing music for horns and stuff like that right um which i did a fair amount of in school and a little bit after but i mostly transitioned like what i learned in school a lot of what i learned in school was on the production side and the theory side what what was like one of the the coolest things that happened while you were there i mean i'm sure there were great experiences yeah there's so many it's really i i any like starstruck you know all right okay well i went to to i was like in freshman class with mono neon that was wow yeah he just like played in the cafeteria and he's like always been like the way that he is now that's him like Yeah, yeah, yeah and he's i think he's like on the spectrum he like didn't talk to anybody he just all he does is sit in that room and play his bass all day and wear crazy neon clothes and kill in the game. Yeah. Um, who else? Anna Wise, I did some stuff with. She's uh, she like uh, collaborated with Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, one of my mentors, his name is Vinks. Um, he used to sing with like he did an album where he had Herbie Hancock on the record, Stevie Wonder. Wow. Um, he opened up for Sting back in the 90s. Uh, I mean, you know, I could go on and on, but name dropping is really tacky, so I'm not going to, you know? Um, did you always find a fascination with the recording process while you were playing, or was it more in at your time in Berkeley? You know, how did that how did I did I did always have like the I think what it was was like a need to control what was going on because I would never ever be happy with an outside producer like we it just they didn't see my vision you know like it it felt like it wasn't coming out the way I wanted it to come out and at a certain point I was like you know what I just need to learn this myself if I'm gonna get it right right 
and then I sort of dove in. That was that was probably around my freshman year of college when I started diving into learning how to be like a producer, and um, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with the creativity that you can get into behind the board. Um, I love how it's sort of it's sort of like a safer environment, especially now I like have my own studio where I'm not paying every second for the studio time. Sure. You know, like I you know have the freedom to create and experiment. What um what was your biggest challenge personally for um, learning the process? Because I'm pretty much self-taught as well. I, I had some mentors along the way that were fantastic, but my personal opinion is you've got to get in there and gut it out, you know, to find yeah. your sound, your taste. What, what's one thing where, you know, when you, when it just clicked, was there ever a time where there was one thing you were trying to really get something to happen and it finally clicked and it was like, okay, you know, I finally figured this out. Um, I can't remember when it was, but somebody told me like a rule of thumb um, of like, don't do more than like, three or four takes of a song mm -hmm. at a time it's mm -hmm. like after that third or fourth take it starts to you, you know you're getting diminishing returns you're right, not right into the song you're more likely to kind of zoom in on whatever it is that you're messing up on at that point yeah yeah um so i think once i sort of like made that a rule that i didn't break at all it things went a lot smoother and also um I used to go through and just like mercilessly edit the shit out of a take and like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, there's a little squeak here. I'm going to like sub this out here. And I realized like the less of that I can do really the better. The better. The better. Yeah. 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 How do you, what's your process like when you are, you know, maybe, maybe you're coming up with something and, um, for instance, you're writing while you're recording because sometimes that can happen. You know, you just really feel inspired with something. Yeah. You want to get it down. Um, or maybe you're trying to finish out a record or an EP and you need that last one or two songs. You just go in there. It's not like you're writing it, but you go in and how does that work for you? Are you more of, you know, let me, let me try because I find a lot of demos will actually make the final take. So you almost need to be careful what you're you know if you're gonna track something track it on a good chain because you never know you know yeah. it, might, it might actually be the the, the last take i think so, what i ended up having to do was um like relinquishing some control uh right. by like uh when i get to a point where i don't think that i can edit it anymore or like i can't tweak the mix anymore and improve it anymore that's when i'll like bring in an outside person that i really trust of like what do you think about this what like listen to it what do you think could be better or like you know some outside guidance well let's talk about the creative process for you the uh the songwriting and and how you got into that so by 17 you were writing it sounds like oh way before that way before that okay so yeah, I think how did, how did like that 12 12 13 mm -hmm. what um what inspired you to do was it just because you were listening to a lot of artists at the time and no it really came from like my personal life like i had drama with my best friend when i was 13 and i had yeah, to write, to write about, about it. it yeah and that yeah. song kind of sounded like brown-eyed girl because that's all i really knew how to <laughs> at the time like those chords you know right right but, like you know i was just it was just uh letting it out letting out the what i felt in a song you can get Are away you, uh, do you find yourself more 
stretching the muscle type of type of writer or more of the flow you know you for me personally i won't even try and write for long periods of time if i'm not feeling inspired um you yeah know. and then it just like I flows down if i sit down to write i'm not happy with what i come up with generally right right it's the inspiration you get that spark you kind of go for it that mood and it's not like i have a like a lack of material already you know like there's so many like i have three albums that are out right now and there's probably an additional two or three worth of material that has yet to be properly recorded that's usually my biggest issue is like getting getting everything down the way that i want it yeah so you you've got like dozens and dozens of demo tracks that are probably just sitting around fully composed ready to go but it's yeah, a lot you know, it takes, yeah. well there's certain i run into i ran into some certain roadblocks going across so many different genres like i got really big into the outlaw country thing like a couple of years ago when um tyler childers came out i just like totally fell in love with his music mm-hmm. and um wrote a bunch of songs sort of in that vein and i realized i'm like i really need like a steel guitar player and a violinist you know to like be on the record but then you got I, I don't those aren't my regular band members so i have to like hire outside coordinate all that together you know have the parts that i want them to play already figured out sort of in my head like you know yeah get it all together hurt all the cats together and have the money to make it happen how um you know, it's been a while since live music's really uh you know with the pandemic and everything well you're playing out live now and i'd love to hear the difference between before like pre-pandemic versus now what's going on for you personally when you're on stage uh oh, love to hear, like the, if there's a different philosophy i i feel like there is for me for sure i'd love to hear what you got a hundred percent i mean i used to be like the worst perfectionist like so like i would get so upset if people would make mistakes or like you know just i would take stuff so 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 seriously and um after covid you know i really like just have a newfound gratitude for every show that i play and it's sort of like it's so much i'm just so much more laid back with it like um i realized that like me losing my shit on stage is not going to help anything at all it's just going to make things a whole lot worse um and also like i just i really spent a lot of time in the garden and just like putting my hands in the dirt you know and and just like growing my own food and stuff and i was like it's gonna be okay like i don't have to play every single weekend of the year Right. Have to do that. I can still like financially survive without doing that. Right. (laughs) You know. Well, that's. uh, How did you get into the gardening? Was that more of a pandemic thing, or just always? Yeah, it was. It was like, well, I don't. You know, I'm not. I got all this free time, and as you know, I don't know. I don't really want to get into politics too much, but like all this stuff was going down and I was right. like, I, I need to like start to be like one of the, you want self-sufficient unplug. around here. Like if, you know, if something goes down and I need, and we need to just isolate. Yeah. Can, you know? Yeah. No. Um, well, let's talk about some of the original music. Uh, personally for me, 
Like I said, I mean, every song, every song I clicked on was just great. Oh, shucks. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Get out. I'm cool. Mario's song, uh, like that. I don't know what's going on there. That backstory, but if well, that, that was my friend talking about that, that's yeah, kind of yeah. It was, thing. I mean, it, I really, really thought that was amazing. Yeah, Mario is a, a really good friend of mine who um, uh, lived here, but then moved out to Los Angeles, and I um, interned out in Los Angeles when I was in school. And I was really, really struggling with my addiction at that time. And he was kind of like a dude that I just latched onto as like a friend and confidant. And we like made a lot of music together and became really, really close. And um, then a couple years later, he uh, was home for Christmas in North Carolina and got in a car wreck head on, passed away. Yeah. Yeah, it was really awful. He was 23. No, 22. God. Wow. Yeah, just, wow. yeah. And when, how old were you when you guys met? Uh, I think high school. Yeah, like 15, 16, something like that. Holy shit. Wow. Um, incredible song, you know. Uh, Kate's, Kate's Flamenco. <laughs> it's, it's, great. I mean, it's great. They are the, the performance, the engineering. Um, Let's see what else do I have here. Fucked up. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, again, jazz. How did you get into the jazz thing? Like, how how did that happen? Um, I think it was Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra were, like, yeah. the biggest jazz people, like, that I really, really got into. Um, I like, I really like a lot of older vocal jazz, like, um, you know, Sarah Vaughn, like, Billie mm-hmm. Holiday, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank, of course. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, just uh, I love all those those songs. Like they have, uh, it was, chord. You know the way the chords would intersect, like all of the the um, transitions and and how that like manipulates your emotions is yeah. pretty wild to me. Yeah. And of course, you know, the lyrics are just like iconic, <laughs> you know? Right. Like they're, they're called standards for a reason, you know? Uh, walk me through kind of your philosophy on um, the recording process for you. Do you start with the foundation, you know, after the skeleton of the song is done? Um, or maybe it's not. Yeah, I, I don't know. What? How does it? Does it? You change it up, or is it more kind of like? Well, what I'll usually do is like start off with the basic demo of just like me singing and playing guitar. All right, so like a scratch type of thing. Yeah, and um, then I'll I'll sort of like add to the demo certain melodic lines and stuff that. It, I feel like really needs to be in there and that's and then after that is when I'll probably like bring the band in and we'll try to get like a solid demo of everything with probably scratch vocals I'll probably have to go over and like redo the vocals so there's no noise or anything right we're still kind of in an intimate intimate setup in here are you guys you guys record like full band over at blue moose then or is it kind of um, like, yeah sometimes at least at first we will 
Okay. You know, sometimes I'll I'll go to a different um, end up going to a different space uh, to get. I think for the my last record, I I went to Fidelatorium to record the basic uh, drum tracks. Right. They have, they have a really sweet sweet drum kit and space. Um. And they also had like hundreds of vintage guitar pedals from like the 70s that I was just in heaven, like playing with all the different combinations. Yeah. It's funny I, that I had all that options to have all that stuff and ended up not using any of those pedals and just using my rig, <laughs> you know? It's funny how those things happen. You know, I was talking with a buddy of mine today um, and he was saying, you know, yeah, I got into the recording thing, producing more. And it's amazing how I'm going through this and it's like drums and vocals, they just make or break every time. And I said, I know, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. And like the snare specifically. Oh yeah. When I decided to invest in a quality snare drum, it just completely leveled up my game. I was like, yeah. oh my God, what was I doing for all these years trying to make this mix sound good when this snare was just the issue all the whole time. Yeah. And, and it's amazing <laughs> how, well, at least the way that I mix a lot of things, I mean, the, the kick, the snare are really the, the, the two mechanisms that are pretty much uh foundationally holding together the glue of everything else and so many decisions i think are made after those decisions are made maybe you'll tweak it a little bit later but if that if those things aren't 80 90 there from the beginning uh you know it, it's gonna it's gonna be a tough road yeah to the finish line for sure uh well let's talk about gear real quick so are you kind of minimalist when it comes to um you know, finding tones or, you know, what, what are you into these days? I don't know if I would say minimalist. I mean, I'm, I'm not like as gear crazy as some of my friends that I know, like my buddy Tyreek has this pedal board that is literally on hydraulics. Like you open it up and it's like, like, it's not like that, but I mean, I got, let's see, I got my, um, Ibanez tube screamer with the Q oh, yeah. pod. Um, uh, I just got this Friedman BEOD pedal if I want to get super loud. Right, um, right. And then just regular carbon copy delay, um, a micro pog for when I want to use my octave bass notes for solo shows. Mm -hmm. um, some like super budget Dan Electro tremolo. Um, I have a, a Fishman, Fishman Platinum. Fishman Platinum uh, Pro EQDI thing, which is really probably the coolest pedal on my board. It's got like a compressor and a EQ, wow, um, and a boost in it. Okay, so there, there's a, there's a little bit going on there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my um, RC500 Looper pedal as well, which is new. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Water Rising spent a little time with them are you still active with that group or no i i um left them in 2017 uh it was really mostly scheduling that was the issue like i was never really willing to completely give up my solo career right and i would be booking stuff and we even though we'd be using the same calendar we'd get double booked on top of each other and i just felt like really stretched you know um for time and just like musically, I was feeling like I just needed to really go off on my own and do my own thing, you know? For sure. 
for sure. It was tough though. It was a really tough decision to make because they are amazing people. I had a, such a great time, so many great gigs. Like it, it was hard to make that decision to leave, but I don't regret it. What uh, and, and not that this is bringing this up, uh, prompting this question, but I have. Uh, I always try to ask any any live performer that's on the show. Uh, best and worst gig experiences if there's one of each that you that really just come off to mind <laughs> okay so my worst one that was in retrospect pretty hilarious there was this sound guy they usually um, are you know yes oh my god so there's the sound guy like we showed up to the gig pretty early like maybe five or six and we're not supposed to even start till like eight right. and um the sound guy comes up and he's like like y'all didn't send me a stage plot. Like I've been begging you for a stage plot for weeks and you didn't send me a stage plot. And meanwhile, Charlie's standing there like with the stage plot in her hand, like, <laughs> right here, here you go, you know? And he, we, she hands it to him and he's like, well, I don't know what I can do with this. Like, all right, just like, you know, go hang out for a minute and I'll see what I can do. And I guess, I don't know what was going on with him that day, but instead of like the full band setup that like we had requested, he just took all that stuff away and just put like three vocal mics up at the front. Nice. We, were, we were opening up for um, Eulali, which <laughs> is like a trio of women singers. Mm -hmm. And so I guess he just couldn't wrap his mind around the fact that a full band was opening up for the trio of vocal singers. Yeah. So he's like, "Who's the headliner? Who's the opener? Who's who's playing the um? Who's playing the telly?" And we all just looked at each other because at that time I was playing my PRS and Corey had a Strat. Like no one had a telly. Nobody had. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just like, "What?" So we get up there on stage and we're playing, and I can't really hear my vocal in the monitor. So I'm like, "Rocker." I'm right. So I'm like, "Hey, like I've motioned like, hey, can you give me a little more vocal?" And he's like. <sighs> freaking out and so i'm like all right well i'm not gonna ask this guy for anything else i just kept my head down and played the set the best i could um we get through the set uh then me and another band member go to get food and we come back and it's like we would have expected the headliner to start but we didn't hear music so we were like what the heck and we go in and i guess they couldn't figure out how to get any of those three vocal mics that were previously working for our set working now. Wow. So they were like running back and forth around the stage. My bandmates are trying to help him, but he's like, I don't know, going through like a manic breakdown or something, like right. freaking out. And then, um, so they get through their set acapella, which I mean, it still turned out fine. They're still amazing. But wow. um, so then the kicker here was, uh, I can't find my microphone. I bring my own microphone with me everywhere. I don't like putting my lips on strange microphones. I bring my own microphone. Yeah. I yeah, uh, can't find it. And this guy's, I'm like, hey, did you, you know, have you seen my microphone? He's like, no. I look over at the thing that has all of the gear and I see my microphone and I know that it's mine because it's missing like the little ring. Yeah. You know, like that usually has. And um, I'm like, no, that's mine. And he's like, no, we have six of those. Those are ours. And then, the manager at this point comes over and he's furious because he's just been humiliated in front of these two bands. Right. And um, he's like, that's her microphone. Like, give it back to her. And she's like, I know the fucking inventory, Don. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, that was, Man, that's like, that's like a, that's like a Chad Royd rage. 
It was extremely roid ragey. You got, I mean, you got like chatted. That that was, yeah. that was like Chad uh, for your your sound guy. And then so we're standing outside, like just kind of talking to each other, like, did, did you just see what I just saw? And we see him in his short shorts riding his bike up the hill, like. <laughs> <laughs> That's great yeah um okay so then best story that uh, honestly that's like actually one of the best it's kind of the worst and best yeah sorry i went on for a while my bad <laughs> no, 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 that's, that that one's memorable that one's good i mean we've heard a lot of great stories on this that's that's got to be in the top five that's it was amazing yeah it's i love that <laughs> so best okay so best um it was very surreal but uh I don't know. I'd have to say Shakori Hills is probably my favorite. Like anytime yeah. I play Shakori Hills, that's probably the best. Like every single one of my Shakori Hills sets because there's just so much love. Like they just really are hungry for the music and they're hungry for your original stuff too. I don't feel any kind of need to like placate by playing something that I think they'll like that's not my material. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, but other than that i'd say the the most the coolest but kind of most surreal was um we played at the smithsonian um museum for the american indian in washington dc mm -hmm. and it was like the same weekend as uh the trump inauguration and then the uh subsequent women's march and protest mm -hmm. so we played inside of this museum and there was like millions of people on the outside Wow. Yeah, it was wild. That is wild. Uh, you mentioned addiction a couple of times. Um, I thought, you know, before we start kind of going into the last part of the, the interview, just your history with that and what you'd like to open up about, if there's anything you want to open up about. Um, I know that a lot of folks that, that have struggled with some sort of addiction, at least on this show, they... I, I keep seeing the same thing every time where there's positive that came out of it and then it, it added to the life story and would love <laughs> to hear, you know, whatever that is, whatever's positive that did come out of it for you, you know, for anybody else out there who might be struggling with it. Well, uh, I would say the positives that I get out of it, especially now in recovery is that I get to give back. Like, yeah. You know, alcohol was a, a demon on my back for a, a long number of years. And um, I remember the people that helped me when I was at my worst and how fundamental they were to my healing. So I just try to be that, you know, for anybody that's going through it now. And gotcha. Really, gotcha. Like the kind of stuff that really like is more important than money like was it know? was it more did it happen for you because there was traumatic events or you were trying to escape oh yeah i mean <laughs> yeah i mentioned like my my parents splitting up when i was in high school like there's yeah. a whole lot more to that story like my dad kind of went off the deep end and like sold all of our possessions and got us in like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt oh my god and was just basically running around town being a crazy person like you know with his wow. own issues but my um my coping mechanism was to drink and avoid right and, right yeah. wow uh well i'll i'll i also have this on here spirituality 
and I don't, you know, this means so, it, the word has a stigma. Um, <laughs> I try on this show. I really, I used to not talk about this, but for some reason it just keeps coming up over and over and over again because I don't know. It's some universal theme that's happening right now. I thought I'd ask you kind of what your personal philosophy is, what you're into, what you're not into, um, how it plays into your art, if it does, and just thoughts on it. Well, yeah, I mean, gosh, you just opened up a huge box with that. But um, sure. uh, yeah, you know, for a long time, I was really like anti-Christianity because of a lot of trauma that I endured at the hands of homophobic Christians. Right. Um, it took me a long time to realize that not every Christian is like that and that there's cool Christians too um, and accepting ones. <laughs> but uh, as far as just like spirituality, like I'm really more of an agnostic. Like I don't claim to know like what God is or like that it's this thing or that thing. I really think God is kind of in all of us. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we don't need religion to give us a moral compass. You know, I think most of us know like what's right and what's wrong without without the baggage of of uh, of big religion behind it, because people like just abuse it. You know, they use it to take people's money and time. You know, it's just like it can be a very dangerous thing when people go down the rabbit hole and, you it know, can. religion can become a cult real fast. And yeah, I'm kinda like a, especially when there's no personal experience attached to it. And you're kind of, you're you're going along with it because it's group think. You know right. what I mean? It's one thing to sit there and I mean for me personally, things really started taking off for me in that realm when it it, it did become more of a personal experiential thing. And then it was undeniable. But I, yeah. I think with any there's a pitfall that that is with any it doesn't matter what it is. Whenever you have human beings involved with something that is supernatural there's going to be issues you know to a certain degree uh, oh yeah no most definitely um it's just that some of those issues have been institutionalized right. you know what i mean it's like oh, yeah. we're still undoing that like i think as a as a nation we've progressed a long way with that but um there's still a long way to go especially in certain parts you know yeah yeah, and, I, and globally, it's oh yeah, it's, it's it's everywhere. It doesn't like I I personally I see it, you know, whether it's in the states in in certain measures, it's it's all because it to I guess from my standpoint, it's human nature. Unfortunately, it's wherever you go, you're gonna see you're in some way, shape, or form. It's there. Religion is there. You mean? Yeah, well, that and and the institutionalized right. faction. Right. Well, I think there was some folks back, you know, during the Inquisition days and stuff like that. That that also made that happen. You know, <laughs> like sure. institutionalized oppression. Uh, I mean, I mean, gosh, you know. I, well, you know, history just repeats itself. That's that's the unfortunate. You think we'd know by now? You think we'd really have it figured out? But it's oh my god, it just seems to be perpetuated time and time again whether it's the, the the roman empire or hitler or whatever you know whatever you know radicals of any shape way or form it's a, it's like it just keeps showing up 
Yeah. I don't know the answer. Well, I, all that I can do is just write about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wrote about it in, in my song, uh, Silent Disapproval, about, you know, the, um, the evangelical church's disapproval of someone like me and someone that's proud in my identity as a lesbian. Right. You know, that's that's me in their eyes being proud of living in sin. And I take offense to that. I don't think like there's things that I've done in my life that are sinful, but like being in a relationship with my partner is not one of them, you know, <laughs> like. And my, you know, my, my whole thing with all this is ultimately nobody really knows for As sure. Far, yeah. The higher power. Yeah. No one yeah, knows. Nobody, I mean, nobody knows like true. and people claim to know. And that makes me so angry because it's so arrogant. Like you don't know, you're not Jesus. You don't know. Like, you know, yeah. yeah and that that's, and that's why I think, you know, love is really the only answer um, as cliche as it is. And then there's diff there's different definitions of what that can be. Um, and that that's that's up to that's a whole other can of worms and, and discussion with that. But I think um, yeah, it's you know, tolerance, love are really the the only you can't change the way other people think. I think the only way they can change is if they have their own awakening or whatever. And I think people take, I think people spend too much time trying to change other people's minds about certain things, you know? I agree. So, I think that's wasted breath to try to change people's minds about things a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you got some dates coming up. And before we get into that, I'd love to talk about kind of your future plans and, um, you know, if you're much of a planner or not, I don't know, <laughs> but just kind of um, like, you know, what, what you got cooking for the next, you know, few months or year, you know, what, what are any, any goals that you want to attain? Well, my kind of like next main career goal is to beef up my, um, my videos, like get more higher quality videos out there sure. um, so that I can start to book like the bigger shows. Like, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't really have to book anything myself anymore. Like it all kind of comes to me. That's great. Through various agents and freelancers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I can make, I can make a living. I can make the, you know, make a check but I'd love to be playing more like in the festival circuit, you know, right. like the bigger right. fest. Cause I just love, but my, my like end goal is just to be playing in a field with like the best musicians around and the best, like most appreciative music lovers around. That's my main goal is like to be a festival rat, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's just a lot of fun to get together with a bunch of like-minded people. And uh, especially now, you know, it's been so, um, not to say locked down, but it has, and it's oh, yeah, it totally has. It's, I mean, everybody's like, oh, finally, like, you know, yeah, you can have a little freedom for sure. You got Shakori Hills coming up October 7th through the 10th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Vanessa Ferguson, you're, you're playing guitar with her on mm -hmm. August 6th. 
and Honeysuckle Brewery or Brewing, excuse me, July 10th. Um, the, so those that those are solo shows, or excuse me, Honeysuckle is a solo show, or is that with the band? Yeah, that's a solo show. And then Shakori, are you doing solo, or is it with the band? So that's what the Shakori will be the full band experience. Cool, cool. Um, so if, if folks want to get tickets for Shakori Hills, just go to shakorihills.com. I'm assuming .org. I think it's yeah, shakorihillsgrassroots.org. I believe. Okay, okay. Website. We'll we'll put the link down below. Um, and then you got a new music video coming up in August. Yeah. Yeah. I've got this new song. Um, it's called closer and it's about my favorite thing in the world, which is just going down to the Eno river and practicing my guitar and hanging out with my girlfriend. But, um, I got some, um, I got a guy working on some animation for it. Like we filmed the actual video at the Eno. But then I hired out a guy to do some animation on top. So there's going to be all sorts of like Disney birds and mushrooms and, you know, wildlife like crawling all around me. It's going to be cool. I'm excited. It's going to be cool. Um, Jealous Girl EP is out. Self-titled is out. The Vault is out. New mm-hmm. music. I know we touched on a little bit earlier. Anything new? besides the video that, that you're looking at maybe another album coming out soon or well i don't have anything specific on a date for that because i really just need to like have the time to get in and, and do the right. work on those demos like we were talking about before and with my schedule it's been like pretty difficult to, to yeah, coordinate yeah, well, all that playing stuff. live now which is great yeah so i'm hoping i think maybe probably in the uh in the fall i'll have a little bit more time to sort of buckle down and work on it so then you know tentatively next year i'll have have a a new album in the works i'm dig- by the way i'm digging the cactus earrings i think it's great oh thank you i think i got these in arizona yeah yeah i love arizona i was out there last year it it's really nice cool. man it's 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 like real uh beautiful god i love those desert landscapes it is cactus did you see the saguaro national park no um i I, they must have a lot of cacti there yes it's like the you know it's an endangered species this saguaro cactus and they only have a couple of like you know little uh what is it called preserve preservation spot for them in tucson and it's just this huge like landscape and all you see is these giant like 20 foot cactuses like they're so cool yeah, so rad. <laughs> I, I was so enamored by them. I just, I told my friend, I was like, man, I got to get my picture with a cactus while I'm here. Yes. I just felt, I felt so touristy for saying it. I was like, man, I got like, we got to figure this out. So th- we went on the Air Force Base that he was uh, stationed at, used to be stationed at. And we found this one. I mean, what, you know, 25 feet or so. Huge. Huge freaking cactus. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I've got uh, one one last segment here that we do called the shootout section, which is basically I'll say a word or phrase and you say a word or phrase back that's just off the top of your head. No right or wrong answers. It's industry related to the guests. So uh, for you, it's going to be kind of like gear and just, you know, okay. stuff like that. So I just think of, I would say the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah, right? yeah. It's judgment free. Okay. There's no right or wrong answer. Okay. People people get nervous about this thing, and it's like it's really it, ha- it it's actually pointless. It it's just to see what comes out. Uh, vocal mic. Neumann. Yeah, you and I both. I was thinking exactly. She says Neumann. We're on the same wavelength here. 
uh, song. At last. Oh, Edit. hell yeah. Piano. Steinway. <laughs> Man, this is this is some heavy stuff. I mean, I, like I don't know. Such a uh, snob. Like, would you not play anything else but a Steinway? <laughs> <laughs> Guitar. Uh, well, the first thing I thought of was PRS, but uh, it's interesting because okay. I don't even play my PRS that much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I grew up playing one. Yeah, my dad had one. We ended up selling it, but it was pretty cool. My my buddy Dan Fields is building a custom uh, semi-hollow for me at this moment. It's Very actually cool. almost done, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, amp. Fender. Blues Junior, Deluxe. Yeah, Blues Junior is the Can't one. Can't go wrong I, with them. Yeah. Can't go wrong with them. I used to have a DeVille, and I ended up having to sell it because it was just too heavy. Too heavy and too loud. They're heavy as hell. What is that, the 4 by 10 yeah, and yeah, it just, you couldn't turn it up past like one and a half without it being too loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, drums. Um, Pearl, I reckon. I don't, I don't really know the um, the drums like that that side of the gear all that right, well. Right, right, right. Uh, bass. Probably Fender again, like uh, like just a jazz bass. Compression. I really like my Fishman um, DI that I was talking to you about. Fishman puts out, don't they put out the uh, the acoustic? Um, That's what this is actually for. Um, <clears throat> the the Fishman Platinum is meant for acoustic, but I, I use it with my electric too. Cool. Uh, EQ. <laughs> I use the plugins. <laughs> like the, um, the REQ from Waves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not live, but live. I just use that that Fishman that I was saying. Right, right, right. Uh, reverb. Um, from the amp, <laughs> from the amp. Bake it yeah. in, yeah. Delay. Uh, you know, I'd really love to get one of those memory mans. Mm. Um, I just have so many cool options. Like, I really feel like I've not delve too much into the world of delay and how much you can do with it at least on my pedal board right right uh master bus there's uh anything that you usually do or uh i usually put um well i mean the first thing i thought of was uh gain stage right make sure that your levels are low enough coming in right berkeley cold yeah. It was too cold up there, bro. That's why I couldn't stay up there. Durham. Bull City. Bull City. That's my hometown, Bull. man. Are you a baseball fan? Yeah, I watch the Bulls games some. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a big sports person in general, but we used to watch them a lot when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Last one, most important, pizza. Pizza. Mozzarella. Oh yeah. There's balls of mozzarella on the pizza. That's how you know it's like legit. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Tomatoes and basil, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Like an Italian's pizza. <laughs> this is the last question that I ask everybody, which is if you could go back in time to your fifteen year old self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? Um, don't drink aristocrat. 
for the love of God. <laughs> I, don't even know, I don't even know what that is. I, it's I don't know like that bottom that shelf, like the cheapest vodka you can get. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. 15-year-old me tried that for the first and probably last time. Yeah, that sounds like... Um, that sounds like some toilet bowls and some dirty floors uh, yes. in your future. Yes. <laughs> probably clean the toilet better than than it's really intended purpose. That is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> uh, this was awesome. You know, I'm so glad yeah, we could sit down and finally talk. Uh, yeah. now, you know, just like dealing with loud blues rock in the background blue <laughs> note or you know wherever yeah, exactly um, where can folks find you for those that are driving or at the gym or whatever they're doing listening uh we'll have all of your information in the description box below but just shout out social media website uh well my website is emilymussolino.com um I make sure I keep all my stuff updated on my socials, like my Instagram, Twitter, and mm -hmm. uh, Facebook. I uh, make sure I always have my schedule up there. Um, I think that's it. I don't really, I don't, I'm too old for the TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Instagram, I think, is where I really. Yeah, tic TikTok's, uh, it's fast. I honestly kind of wish that I could just quit all social media, but it's like a big tool for yeah. Business, it, so it, it's it, it's essentially impossible unless you have somebody running it. Which yeah, you do. exactly. Which I've thought about doing definitely. Yeah, and still thinking about doing. Yeah, me too. Just hiring a permanent social media person just do all this for me. I don't want to look at it anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> between the podcast now and because this has been going for a couple of years, and then the solo artist stuff, um, the act. I mean, it's a, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, you do a lot of stuff too. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, I look forward to some sort of Mussolino D'Amico jam thing. Hey, can, can Eric Gales come? Yes, we'll have to we'll have to bake that in somewhere. That'll be cool. Bro, you gotta tell me, Eric Gales. How do you? What's the connection to Eric Gales? How do you know him? I I've known Eric. Um, I mean, I've met him in passing over the years. It was one of those things where you know, hey man, can we get a picture or you know, whatever. So right, right. The last sure. four or five years were, were like that, and then um, during the pandemic. Uh, one of my one of my main PR guys that I'm working with now, we just we came up with this crazy idea of reaching out to um, just some some real guitar titans. Yeah, and I know the drummer you played with on that record was also a big big hitter. Yeah, too. Kenny Kenny Aronoff. Yeah, so we just had this ridiculous idea, and it was a long shot um, mm -hmm. in the sense of you know like just going for it because they've got such crazy schedules, but it was during yeah. the pandemic. Everybody was just kind of, I was heavy in the podcast at the time I was working on the new record. And I was like, man, if this is going to be like the, if, if this is the last record I make, right. You know, if the world literally implodes, I like, I get where your thought process was at with what you were saying earlier. Cause that was kind of where I was at with this. Yeah. You know, if, if like things just don't go back to normal for whatever reason, I mean, if this is the last record I make, I want to, 
I want to like go out with a bang. I want to have like the yeah, best dude. in the world on this thing. Let me see if I can do it. And Props it, to you for doing that. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So, and it was, he was just super cool. It just, everything just worked. It was it, somehow in some way it worked. And, um, you know, we, we hung out at earth tones with Benji in Greensboro and he's, he's fantastic. Uh, and it was just a really cool opportunity to, to do and you know producing it and seeing kenny like copying kenny arnoff's drum tracks it was just yeah. like like yeah what, like, is know, this real life right now is this actually happening and all the takes are like perfect you know so it's like yeah. okay well what do i pick and then you're sitting there like all right dude just like what it, it's crazy so um yeah, and then PJ Farley's on there, which is he he was with Trickster and Lita Ford and and a bunch of other people. Oh wow, Lita um, Ford, okay. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully that answers your question, but yeah, no, I mean we'll we'll definitely we're trying to we're trying to figure something out as far as later in the year. Uh right now I'm just working on getting the single out the door and then oh. the record will be either later in the year or early next year. So We'll see. Well, congrats, yeah. man. That's big stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, one day at a time. I just keep telling but it's just like, you know, one day at a time. Yeah, that's the truth. One day at a time. That's how I'm still here. <laughs> By the way, I got to ask you about your telly because I'm looking for an American. Um, okay, this one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. That is so. Oh man, I gotta get. I gotta get me one of those. You do. It's the. It's the bomb. It really changed the yeah. game. I yeah. just. Um, here, I'll show you this. You'll appreciate this one. I've had it for a long time, but it the frets got worn down, and I had I had to get it. My my guy John Lorbacher did a great job on it today. Classic strat, man. But it it is the the SRV. Oh, sweet signature model, nice. Yeah. So it was. I think it was like the last year or two years that they made it, and I forgot how great this thing is. Like they really. There's a reason why this guitar was out for 20 years, and they kept like Fender just kept doing it because it it's just it's incredible. You know, you can't beat the American Fenders in my yeah. opinion. You just can't beat them. I agree. And you know, people will say all day that you could just get a Mexican one and swap out the pickups, but then I don't know if they've ever played an American one. Like there's one thing where it's consistent on the fretboard, but the sustain on one note is starkly different on an American compared to a, a MIM. You know, yeah, well, and just like the the way it's put together, like the materials that they use, how much time they take to put it together, right? Um, like, yeah, I mean, there's differences. Yeah, I, I'm definitely in the in the market for a telly, and I don't know exactly what I, I played this one at Guitar Center and Carrie, and it was so beautiful. Um, it had a rose. No, it was a wasn't a rosewood. It was a. Um, so. Shit, what was it? Ebony fretboard. Ooh. And it was sick. It was so, so slick. Oh, man, ebony fretboard. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, so, but um, let me put this up real quick. 
Any last words, my friend? Um, no, I think that's about it. This is great. Um, I remember a lot of stuff. Yeah, I appreciate you having me out for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'll uh, I'll I'll walk us out here, and then we'll we can stay on and, and chat a little bit after. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on or tuning into the show and and uh, checking out Emily's episode here. Uh, description box is all the links. You guys know what to do. Like, subscribe, share, and we will see you all on the next episode. Peace. Peace.